On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, I've got Peter Marigold. I've had lots of things happen that have been really negative, and you know, things happen to you as a creative person. Um, and when Kickstarter popped onto my radar, uh, it just sent all these kind of positive alarm bells ringing where it was like, oh yeah, you just have an idea. You communicate it to the people who are going to consume it, and they can say whether they like it or not. Peter, thanks for making time. Thanks for having me. So you're a multi-talented individual, um, but the first thing that that uh, is how we found out about you is Form Card. Can you tell people who haven't heard of Form Card what that's all about? Sure. Um, so. I guess I've said it a million times, form card is a, a handy pocket size card of a meltable bioplastic. Um, they're, they're small, brightly colored credit card size, thick credit card size um, slabs of a thermoplastic, which you, you melt in a cup of hot water, and then you can use them to make things, mold things, fix things. Um, it's a bioplastic, so it fuses onto, um, it's a bioplastic, it composts, which is a good thing. I've got to get that in early on because it, plastic is such a horrible uh, word at the moment. Um, it composts, it's, um, it also fuses onto other plastics, so you can use it to fix things like a broken fridge drawer or a car bumper if you're in a sort of emergency situation on the road. Um, I guess oh, it does millions and millions of things. So, um I launched it on Kickstarter uh, back in, I think it was November 2015, and since then we've we've manufactured like 10 tons of it, um, <laughs> and we were selling. Yeah, well, I love it. Yeah, no, I loved it. I was, I remember see, I was watching some YouTube video, and it's like, guy just pulls it out of his wallet, drops it in a cup of hot water. It's probably you. Drops in a cup of hot water, pulls it out, kind of cuts a bit off, you know, puts a tent pole back together or different. I can't remember all the different things, but uh, it just seemed like infinitely creative. And so and how user friendly that you can have it in your wallet and all you need is a cup of hot water from now. And and, uh, all of a sudden you've got a potentially really terrible situation that has a has a quick fix. Right. Yeah, that's the idea. It's 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 it's. It's for that for those funny little emergency situations where you're like, ah, damn it, I just need, and there you have, you can just quickly make it like a, a hold of your mobile phone that you can hang off your tent equipment or something, something strange like that, or fixing. In the video, I fix fix my child's broken shovel, um, and I get a lot of kind of stick. You know, the, the trolls jump on you on, on online and they say like, why are you fixing like a, a cheap plastic shovel with this this plastic card which costs whatever, and but in that emergency moment, your child might be really upset about the plastic object that has broken. You can become the super dad by just suddenly fixing the, the shovel. So um, I was trying to describe kind of emotional situations in which uh, a small product can actually save you and get you out of the situation. Yeah. And and 
over here in the states on i think you can get them on amazon can't you for like uh you know like mm-hmm. i'm looking at it right now nine 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 of them for 21 dollars. everybody go to you amazon can, you yeah, that's uh, that's nine for that. Where you can get where we do sort of flash sales and different there's different promos going on all the time. But there's three cards for I think it's seven dollars. Um, okay. Um, and different vendors are doing different yeah, things yeah. as well. Uh, well, I just love that it's affordable enough that it's not just a great idea that people won't use. You know what I mean? Like it's it's realistic. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's, that was the intention. It's also reusable. I've got to say. So even if you made something you don't like, you can reuse it as well. Oh, what a great point. Well, um, I want to talk about something. Uh, you, you've, you, you're having this entrepreneurial success, but coming from the art world, you know, I'm a, mm. some people know this before I, before I ran my private equity fund and was in finance, I originally, I'm an art school dropout. And, uh, so I right. like seeing another, you know, another yeah. art, art yeah, guy that's... making it happen. So, I mean, you've got all these great clients, Fendi, Paul Smith, Sony, all, all this different work you've done. Can you talk about kind of your your thoughts about creativity, entrepreneurship, traditional art, and and just kind of how you yeah. think about those worlds? Yeah, it's funny. I gave a I teach one day a week as well. I have a group of um, furniture and product students uh, at the London Metropolitan University, and we gave our kind of pitch day the other day, introducing what we'd be talking about. And I mentioned that I think by default, I think creative people are entrepreneurial. I think there's something not quite right about them, that they don't conform to like the normal uh, model of, I guess, a worker bee. I think there's something wrong with us that just makes us think a little bit outside the box. Um, um, uh, Sorry, what was your question? (laughs) Well, just, yeah, just any of your thoughts about um, the intersection between art and entrepreneurship? Sure. Um, well, I have to talk about Kickstarter. I mean, first of all, I think creativity is, as I say, like a by by the nature of what it is. I think it has an entrepreneurial uh, kernel at the centre of it. This kind of difference or looking at things differently. I think that is an entrepreneurial um, kernel. Um, but I, then I think Kickstarter. When when I discovered Kickstarter, it just started ringing bells in my head. I've, as, as you've said, I've worked with lots of different people, with with manufacturers, with galleries, museums. Um, yeah, well, and not just project. any museums, you know, New York's MoMA and you know, like legit. Yeah. <laughs> the top of the yeah. top. Oh, okay. can I just say the MoMA's just about to start selling form card after like what? two and a half years. Yeah, it took <laughs> like fun. two and a half years discussion. <laughs> and the, the big irony was like it came via their Japanese store, Loft, which is a fantastic place in, in in Tokyo I think it's across Japan but Tokyo and they're, they're kind of sister store in in Japan and we didn't intend to start selling it with the MoMA we just were kind of working with the Japanese one and then the MoMA said oh by the way we're going to place this really big order so anyway so yeah we I, I have worked with lots of different people and um I've seen lots of different things and I've had lots of horror stories I've, I've had I've been I've had lots of things happen that have been really negative and, you know, things happen to you as a creative person. Um, And when Kickstarter popped onto my radar, uh, it just sent all these kind of positive alarm bells ringing where it was like, oh, yeah, you just have an idea. You communicate it to the people who are going to consume it and they can say whether they like it or not. And if they like it, you make it. And it was just so, it was just such, it's just sounded like such a perfect conduit 
to the to your um, community, to your to your your your, your buyers, I guess. And I, for me, Kickstarter really it feels more than anything. I don't know if it's true, but to me, it feels that where that intersection between entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism, and creativity really come together. Um, it feels like that to me because there is this directness to it. Yeah, the you know, you think about by lowering the bar that much to get the word out, right? You don't have all these artificial barriers for creatives, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't have to be a creative and a finance guy and a, you know, and a tech genius and a, right, to get the word out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, I think it also, um, not just, not just, Kickstarter, but the the experience of running Kickstarters. I, I've been running Kickstarters with my students at, at London Metropolitan as well, and um, and there's something about engaging with the world via the World Wide Web. It sounds so silly to talk about in like something special, but when I started doing Kickstarter, you realise you have, as a creative person now, you have a portal onto the world, not just the world's markets, but the world's uh, magazines, the people looking for new things on there, and um, and there's a certain kind of awakening spirit behind it where you're like, oh yeah, and and that's one of the, the beautiful things when I when I came to do my second Kickstarter, which I guess we'll talk about. I did a piece of software, and I just started like looking for software developers around the world, and and you start talking to them and seeing what different things they can do, and. And I don't think I would have had that mentality without having engaged with Kickstarter in the first place. And it's, it's really kind of, it broadens your, your, it just broadens your vision of the, of the world market. Yeah, no kidding. Well, um, let's take a quick break and, and hear from our sponsor. And then I've got another question I want to ask you. Sure. Okay. So Peter, um, before the, before the break, we were talking about some different ideas and I, the question I want to ask is, um, as you think about, um, your approach, it seems like it, it's pretty obvious that you are having fun with life. You know, that entrepreneurship is not this incredibly serious and academic thing that, that you're having fun with it. Am I, am I putting words in your mouth there or, or how would you react to a, a, an observation like that? It's very hard work, very hard work. <laughs> It is fun, and I think that uh, something I just hammer home to my students and, and young people in general is the opportunities right now for for designers, for creative people, but from my perspective, for designers, so broad. You can work on so many different things, and with crowdfunding, you can just turn your mind onto something completely random from your sketchbook, make that happen. Uh, at the moment, I'm working on on three different public artworks some gallery pieces, uh, a mass manufacturer piece, and then my own piece of software, and as well as running the form card business. And you, there's, there's all different things you can do. And I, it's such a, I think that is fun. Just the nature of doing different things has got to be a, a good thing. Yeah. So um, give us the, the 30 second, give us the 30 second elevator pitch on the file stapler, the new Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, right, it's quite different. Oh, 30 seconds. See, it changed a lot. The Kickstarter as it was on there, the great thing, as I say about, oh, okay, that's not 30 seconds. <laughs> so I, I designed a piece of software. It's called File Stapler. 
and file stapler, file stapler simply staples files together on your computer. So you can have different files in different places. You can staple them together, basically link them together, and then you can see a list of those files that pop up, and you can either open them all, or you can do different things with them all, or you can just unstaple them all. And I came across it because I have endlessly this problem. I have loads of purchase invoices and sales invoices. They're in different places, different names, but they have to be opened at the same time. And the app just didn't exist. There's different ways you can do it, but I wanted a really simple, clean little bit of software. So I launched it on Kickstarter and it, it took off in a, in a small way. It was a very small campaign. Um, but I've uh, the night the beauty of Kickstarter is you start to meet like, uh, when I say meet, virtually meet, uh, real like software tech nerds and enthusiasts and people who start sort of guiding you through what this could be. And it's changed quite substantially. And I'm doing like, two or three different versions of it now, which is a really cool thing. That's right. You know, um, a while back, we had a really famous uh, violinist on the show named um, Tim Fain, who does, you know, he, he writes music for movies like um, Natalie Portman's Black Swan or 12 Years a Slave, wow. famous movies, right? And wow. I, I was really interested in his answer to, I asked him the question of where, where he thinks his creativity comes from and or, or what helps him with his best mm. ideas and i got a really mm. unexpected answer so with the guy as creative as yourself i want to ask the same question again as you think about where you get your best ideas or what what you feel like uh has helped you kind of deliver on your creative potential what is that for you <laughs> uh, i'm quite a negative person I, I hate to be honest it's usually like dissatisfaction with the world and the way things are and imagining it different differently so it's usually i'm a bit my my girlfriend usually says i'm a bit like donald duck i get very very wound up about things and then start thinking my way out of them um people wouldn't really spot that but it's usually that i'm afraid <laughs> i could say sort of spiritual journeys up mountains but i don't do that it's general sort of frustration with the world i'm afraid well it's interesting i mean honesty is you know the thing that people are going to relate to though when you think about this idea of you know seeing things that you want to do something about um as you as you get wound up about something and you're thinking what to do about it um what does your process look like are you a guy who goes and googles a bunch are you somebody who goes and sits and thinks are you like what from from frustration mm. from frustration to solution what's the what's the mm. peter marigold path I, I have these enormous lists mm. as like an ex-artist, furniture designer, whatever. I, I, I used to have huge, like these sketchbooks that would just like build and build and build and build. And I used to sort of draw and draw and draw and draw. And weirdly, like over the last two or three years, they've kind of turned into these enormous lists. And I will often just be repeating the same idea. When I go back through the lists, I'll see like repeats of ideas. And they're always really crystal clear to me in my head. Um, even for the kind of arts or gallery pieces, I'm working on some some cabinets now for a show in New York, and they've only they've only they've only really been sort of sentences that I've had on these lists, and they've been very clear to me what they look like in my mind. I don't know if that's an age thing, um, but creative process generally is this kind of <laughs> sounds kind of like a process of insanity i'll just have these lists and i'll keep coming back to these lists and thinking oh that'd be a good idea that'd be a good idea and then it's just mentioning the idea gradually to other people and seeing what 
people's expressions are like. Um, and then at some point I'll just feel like, oh, I'm going to go for that one. I'm just going to do that one. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, yeah, it's a funny process, I've got to say. <laughs> so um, thinking about the process from, from dissatisfaction to, to product to solution out there, um, how did that apply in the case of FormCard? Um, sure. Well, I think, um, I think successful product is a successful product for many different reasons. I think, um, going back to what I said about having a clear vision of what something is going to be like, just by thinking about it. Um, I thought about it a lot, like really, really a lot. I had bits of material in my pocket and I kept on thinking like, what does it exactly have to look like? What is the perfect thickness what is the perfect um situation you'll be using it in what exactly how is it going to look and feel and how will it be delivered to people and i and those things were just thought through in my head very very clearly and i i think i hope one of the reasons that people were able to get it very easily and to, to pick up on it very easily was because there, there was this kind of clarity to it um and, and again this is this wonderful thing about engaging with the world via kickstarter or via the, the internet is that People are people are able to tap into exactly your mind so directly, and you are able to communicate your ideas exactly, and not through a middleman, which is again this kind of purity of what you're you're putting out there. I love it. Well, I think I think it's a pretty good place to end part one of the interview. Um, maybe we'll end with one of my favorite questions, which is, uh, if you could go back and give a younger version of yourself some advice, what what advice would you give a younger version of yourself? <laughs> Uh, don't go to art school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bitter about that one. It's, it's a terrible thing. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I meant to go to, um, when I was a kid, I was into toothbrushes and gadgets and buttons and handles. And I, I intended to be a designer. Now that I know what was going on in my head, I intended to be a designer. But as a, I've said this millions of times in interviews, but as an intelligent kid at school who's creative, you end up kind of getting pushed into doing art. And and I went to art school. I did, did four years of art. And uh, you mean and you mean only... fine art instead of like product fine design? Art. Yeah, I did sculpture. And although it was fun and I had some reasonable successes with it, um, it took a long time to shake that off. And it was only when I went back to the Royal College of Art and my tutors, uh, Daniel Charney, Roberto Feo, Ron Arad, actually gave me a really hard time about being an artist. And it really shook me up and, and transformed who, who I was. And it, it kind of reminded me what I was really interested in when I was a kid. So if I could go back before college, I would say, come on, you know, go to do design or become an accountant. Either one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Okay. I love it. Well, everybody tune back in right. for part two of the interview. We're going to keep asking uh, Peter some more questions. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.